Hello and welcome to Rigori, the Italian football podcast where at least one of the hosts is always miserable and it won't be difficult to guess which host it is this week. I'm Marco and I'm joined by my cousin Giancarlo. Yes, I'm very miserable this week. He lied. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I fooled anyone. I think anyone that's ever listened will know who's going to play which role this this week. But um, let's let's keep the suspense rolling for them. Yeah, we will. We we will get to that in a moment. But we always record on a Sunday evening, as regular listeners will know, and we are fresh off the final whistle from. The the meeting of the one nil specialists in Serie A, uh, Roma against Juve, and yep. uh, you won't believe this, but the match actually finished one nil. Yeah, it was a shock sponsored by Binary. These two teams, they're, uh, they're, they're It was it was always going to be, wasn't it? It was the, the battle of the experts of the one nil, and um, Gianluca Mancini popped up with that. I mean, an absolute. Worldly of a goal, absolute yeah, beauty, beauty of a goal. But you know the fact that Roma scored first, they were able to do unto Juventus what Juventus had done unto many others this season, and just frustrate them and let and let Juve kind of blow themselves out against them. They out Allegri'd Allegri, and then uh, sort of cherry on the on the cake at the end. Moshi Keane came on for one of the shortest cameo roles in uh, football history, <laughs> booted Mancini in the air and went straight back off again. I think the look on Allegri's face was a was a picture at that moment as he kind of disappeared yeah. back up the tunnel past him. Um, and Keane was very, very clear to be looking at the ground as he walked past yeah, the Yeah, yes. I mean, I think, you know, he's old enough to know better, Keane, really. Unfortunately, this is, you know, yeah. he's, he has... Um, got a bit of a track record of messing up, and this was uh, this was a pretty big mess up. Whether he would, uh, you know, he was coming on in the dying seconds, it was unlikely that he was going to turn the game. But certainly, his chances of turning the game got much less when he when he was immediately red carded. He was getting fouled, in fairness to him. But the moment you kick out, that's it. Yeah. You know, game over. And uh, you know, Mourinho showed that he's, uh, uh, you know, he got kind of bragging rights in the in the one nil club on Monday morning when he meets with with Max Allegri and all the other managers that like to win by the the minimum advantage um he'll have bragging rights because he did a he did a good job on him really yeah he did I mean I thought Juve actually before Roma scored Juve were probably looking more likely to score but as you say it was a it was an incredible goal by Mancini and um you know, Juve, we've talked about their injury problems before. Keza and Pogba are back, but clearly aren't fully fit yet. Um, uh, so it's a bit of a blow for their chase of the European places that they now find themselves in because of the, the points deduction. Um, and quite a vital win for Roma, especially since Lazio got that surprise win against Napoli as well. Yeah, no, they need to keep up the, the pace for those sort of the top four slots as well, you know, and I don't think, I don't know, I mean, I've not seen huge amounts of Roma when I have seen them, they've not been that blown away by what they can do. Dybala was quite quiet tonight. I thought Spinazzola being back, I think that's a big mm-hmm. boost, you know, he did some lovely runs and they have got, I mean, they've got some very good players so it is a very good team, it's just, you know, it's a bit about, I suppose, the the tactical ideas behind them and how they're asked to play that isn't all that enthusing. But, you know, ultimately, if it gets them to a, a, a one of their season targets, then, you know, you can't really be too churlish. And, I mean, a great atmosphere in the Olympico tonight. I thought the fans were 
tremendous, just kept mm-hmm. cheering from beginning to end, really, you know, and that that in itself, you know, they, they deserved the victory, really, for, for their fans as much as anything, because they did, they did keep going, and they, and they defended... Resolutely as well when it when it came to the point where Juve were really having to you know do what they don't like to do and throw everything at an opponent they they, they soaked it up pretty well there was a great chance right yeah. in the ninety seventh minute which perhaps if it hadn't fallen to Danilo might have been an equaliser but you know they they, they dealt with it all pretty well and uh, hats off to Mourinho in this particular one 0 battle. Yes, and and uh, I mentioned Lazio's surprise victory the other night. I mean, is is that just a blip in Napoli's march to the Scudetto, or is it a sign of something more worrying? I, I, I don't think I wouldn't be I wouldn't be hitting the panic button yet. I mean, I think you know there are a, a handful of sides in Serie A that could trouble Napoli, and Lazio definitely one of them on their D. You know, they're very inconsistent. I think Lazio fans. Would would say that themselves. You don't know what team's going to turn up. Sometimes they can be pretty brilliant and pretty breathtaking. And again, another side that's got a good squad of players. Other times they're quite lacklustre. And I think Napoli got them, um, you know, at a time when they were in decent form and were able to do a job. And I think, I think you have to allow Napoli to be distracted once or twice by you know the, these thoughts of maybe doing an amazing double and winning in Europe as well. You know, they must have one eye kind of on that. I think, you know, people made a lot of... I noticed a stat, I think Mario Rui seems to be a key player for them in that whenever he misses, they, they seem to... You yeah. know, or they're much more likely to lose. Um, and he has been... A, I mean, it seems unlikely that that would be the deciding factor, but equally, he has been having a great season and, you know, maybe losing one piece... Um, is a bit of a concern, but as I say, to me there are enough. Um, not straightforward because I don't think any fixture straightforward. But you know there are enough very winnable games for this Napoli team between now and the end of the season. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be panicking just yet, especially given that you know the teams behind would have to win every single game, and and none of them looks capable no. of, of doing it. Really, that's the bottom line. I think that's fair to say, and and one of those teams, of course, is Milan, last season's champions. But uh, they, of course, faced a Fiorentina side who, for once, were able to to score some goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the yes, yeah, a very very fair summation of the. It wasn't a game that any Fiorentina fan went into with any great deal of confidence. I mean, especially Milan were on a good run, Fiorentina were on a, a considerably mediocre run, although a good a good win over Verona during the week. But um, you know th- that that they were able to um, play some good football. I think I think it was a very emotional night. It was the, the fifth anniversary of Davide Astori's death, and you know that that was quite a poignant thing because um, Stefano Pioli was back. In Florence, at the helm of 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 Milan, so you know that that kind of added to the the poignancy of the evening. Milan were without Rafael Leao, although you know his form hasn't been great. But you know, Milan were kind of grinding out the wins as well, playing okay. Fiorentina not not particularly, but I'd, I mean, I thought, and I think I saw most Milan fans thought as well that Fiorentina were worth their win on that game, particularly on the first half performance where they didn't actually, 
you know, get their goals. But you know, they, they won a penalty. I think pretty cast iron penalty, well taken yeah. by Nico Gonzalez. And then the clincher was an absolutely beautiful goal. Really, um, you know, Milan did put Fiorentina under pressure in the second half. They could have equalised. It wouldn't have been um, that that um, undeserved. But the the team move um, right across the pitch from sort of Nico Gonzalez out to the wing to Icone, who had a good game, which was very surprising. Ball down to Dodo and then across, which uh, Luka Jovic met with a beautiful flying header to really you know send everyone home happy from Florence. Milan got their goal back a, a thunder bastard from yeah. from Theo Hernandez, but it was right just about the last kick of the game. And it, the only thing I felt was a, a degree of frustration in that you saw what I, what I think Fiorentina are capable of um, but they've never really shown in Serie A, only in, only in flashes um, and I think it's no use doing that against the big teams is is all well and good but you need to be doing that I, I think what they benefited from was Milan came to try to play, to try to score, whereas they find it much more difficult against smaller teams that come to frustrate them and, and thwart them and um, you know that that was the that was the mild frustration, but you know that's that's a minor disappointment really in in a, in what was a good result, a couple of back to back wins and sets them up nicely uh, to fall flat in their faces against Sivaspor probably mid <laughs> midweek in the in the Conference League. But yeah, no, it was a it was a good night to be a Viola fan definitely, and as I say, it was just to see some of these players um, finally starting to deliver. As I say, Dodo. Icone, there were players who have infuriated a lot during the season. Actually, had a you know a really good a really good game and a lovely tribute in the thirteenth minute to to Davide Astori as well. So that was that was nice to see. So yeah, all round a, a good good week to be a, a Fiorentina fan, which is not something you've been able to say too often recently so. no no definitely not no I've definitely been you know I think I've been having misery rights over this podcast at times and in recent times but that was certainly it was a surprising but as with all these things they need to build on that need to make that um the first of a you know I think realistically qualified for Europe through the league is gone um but you know they want to finish as high up as they can and really give a good crack at these two cup competitions, the Coppa Italia and the the Conference League that they're that they're still in. Yeah, definitely. And uh, as regular listeners will know, we don't just focus on Serie A here. And um, there's quite a lot to speak about Serie B this week. Um, but before we get to matters on the pitch, I wanted to um, discuss perhaps the most entertaining press conference I've ever seen in my life, given by. Um, Stefano Bandeki, the the Ternana uh, president, um, I think it was after last week's game. Um, yeah, uh, do you want to? Well, I've, I've, I shared I shared it on my Twitter feed. But yeah, I, 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 I mean, I did too because it was a breathtaking piece, a stream of consciousness piece. I mean, and thanks very much to the chap that flagged this up on Twitter in the first mm-hmm. place because it, it really was. I was so. Delighted to find out that he was a Tuscan when I heard the the expletives that he used throughout his rant um, were, were brilliant. I mean, you remember earlier in the season he had uh, Cristiano Lucarelli as his manager, a fellow Livornese, 
um, and then showed him the door and then decided to bring him back. But, you know, he was asked at the conference, you know, would he bring him back? To, at which this seemed to cause him to explode. He had, in fairness, been spat on by his own fans, I think. And so, in, in you know, incredible fashion. We've seen many things in Italian football. I mean, I remember Delio Rossi laying into Adam yeah. Laich with a couple of punches, but he spat back at his own his own supporters and then proceeded to justify it by saying, you know, I am a what did he say? He says, you know, I am a I'm not Jesus Christ. I don't turn the other <laughs> cheek, you know. I I mean I, I do believe but I'm not Jesus well littered with expletives all the way through. And and then just, you know, people were asking, will he bring Luca Relli? But I don't know, you know, he said, I might, I might not, you know, I just it's up to me. I'm in charge here. So I went to have a look at the guy's website. I don't know if you had a look at that Marco no, at all, but I, I mean it's it's an amazing piece of sort of self promotion. He runs a university, but he's a, he's a man of many parts, I think it would be fair to say. It, it boasts of his time with the parachute regiment whilst he was doing his military service. It then, you know, as I say, has he has this educational role. He also has a kind of editorial role as well, because he set up a sort of college radio at his, at this, um, the university that he's, he's set up, and, and describes himself as a a businessman to at three hundred and sixty degrees or something, and he's a bit of a bit of everything. So he's a he's a fascinating character, really. But as you see, the the press conference was just it was it was one of the it was like sort of you know light the blue touch paper and and off we go and the fireworks began almost immediately and and on a, a range of subjects as well. You know, it was it was it was one of those ones. It struck me it was like I think all. Chairman or presidents go through it when they think you know it's it's kind of like that you know if you think you could do any better put up yeah. your money that was the, that was the gist of it but it, the language was so colourful uh, that it was it's it just an absolutely priceless piece if anybody hasn't seen it yet then and you speak yeah, Italian I'll, you need to you need to go and see it because I'll put a, I'll put a link to it in the podcast description so you can. <laughs> You can click into that if if you haven't seen it, um, because it is definitely worth worth watching. Um, but on the pitch, uh, focusing on there, there have obviously been two rounds of Serie B games since we last spoke, and uh, neither of those rounds went very well for my team, Venezia, who were we were playing the top two teams in the league away from home, I should say. Um, starting with today's game against Frosinone, the, the runaway league leaders, the Napoli, I suppose, of uh, Serie B. Um, not much to say. We got beaten three now. It could easily have been more. Um, we it, it was frustrating because we literally gifted them at least three, if not at least two, if not three, of the goals. Just co- complete defensive cock-ups like a man failing to control the ball on the halfway line and letting him run through uh, on goal to get a free shot and score um, but you know they're the league leaders there's not a lot we can do it's bad for our morale because we've been playing quite well recently um, and that was a really poor performance but um, I wanted to speak about the Barry game where we lost 1-0 but we completely, in my view, <laughs> outplayed Barry, especially in the second half. Um, and we actually scored a goal, which then VAR, our old friend, got involved in and disallowed for a swinging arm 
of Cherishev, which occurred about 15 seconds before the goal was actually scored. Um, and it's just the sort of situation that I don't think VAR should be getting involved in at all. Yeah, it's nonsense. Yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, I think I saw that we have a, a Barry fan that, that follows the pod closely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think, I mean, his view seemed to be that, it, I mean, very similar to yourself, although, you know, that it was one of these things that could be given. But why is VAR intervening for that kind of decision you know that's the that's the infuriating thing i think is when it goes back to something that seems pretty inconsequential not glaringly obvious you know something that's still pretty subjective really i think that's the that's the thing that drives fans daft is that when it goes back to that i mean i've noticed a trend recently of the offside where the man doesn't touch the ball that that seems to be a in vogue at the moment, which I mean, again, we know that a man can be in an offside position when he's when he's not touching the ball. He may interfere with play, um, so I suppose that's fair enough. But this, uh, I mean, I've said it before that if you watched every goal in a game back far yeah, enough, exactly, you, you could rule it out. You know, it's, it's a question of the time frame, just how far back do you go? I mean, is it in the entire action? I mean, the ball could be in play for three or four minutes you'd have to to scroll through to make sure that you didn't get and and it does seem that there's sometimes a pursuit of um finding something i mean i did see i'm not sure was it was it your present somebody was um citing some sort of great um conspiracy theory against it was our president against venezia you know in this and this i don't know about that but i mean i do know that it, it does. It fuels conspiracy theories definitely because you know, as I say, if you go back far enough, you'll find. And then it becomes a question of what teams get that. You know, how far do you hit the rewind button for certain teams? I suppose yeah. that's the. Well, I, I remember a game last season against Inter in Serie A, where um, Jekyll elbowed Modulo in the face, and then the ball goes on, and you know, twenty seconds later, Inter score. But of course, they didn't rewind it to that foul, um, and and you know it was all allowed to. Well, stand we, yeah, no. Fiorentina fans feel the same with Inter with the same man in that the four mm-hmm. three game where there seemed to be a foul in the build up to the goal mm-hmm. that won the game. But yeah, you're right. You know, and as I say, because these things are. You know that they're not they're not glaringly. But why do you go back and find you know? Do you find some to be glaringly obvious? As I say, it's just in a country that loves a conspiracy theory, you don't really need another thing, eh, more fuel on the flames of that. Really, you know. And as I say, it just it's it's pretty galling. I would I would say there should be a pretty tight time frame on these, and it and it would have to be something. You know, very very obvious, a very obvious error that yeah. the the referee has made. Not not one of these typical Italian free kicks where you know there's a mild nudge one way or the other. I think I think those should be allowed to to go, and it is it is infuriating. And you you have my condolences, definitely. Well, I mean, as I say from Venezia's perspective, it, it's not great because we always knew these two games were going to be difficult, but we were we were on a decent run. And it looked like we were sort of pulling ourselves away from the the relegation difficulties, but we're now right back in the midst of it. Now I can only hope that we um, have sort of had the hard games behind us, and we now have a run of what should be 
slightly easier games on paper and I think we need to take start taking some points you know I think we need to be looking at sort of getting nine points out of the next four games if we're wanting to um, not be involved in this relegation battle towards the end of the season uh, so yeah not not great but we'll see see how we do next week because I do think generally apart from the game against Frosinone today our play has been improving steadily. It, it, it seems like there's an upward trend under Van Orley which is I mean some would say it was hard not to be upward from what was yes, from what was true. going on before, but just the same, you know. Even even I've noticed, you know, a, a mildly more positive demeanour coming across <laughs> in your in your statements about the team um, compared to the compared to the opening stages of this season. So I mean, hope and I don't know. You, you don't have Ternana coming up soon because that would certainly be. We'll set aside a special pod for that if if Mister Bandi has to play Ternana. Oh well, that, yeah, we'll see. That's something to look forward to then most definitely we'll look forward to that one uh yeah but before before we uh, go uh, you drew attention to the fact that um there was a soul uh, sud tirol fan that traveled to benevento I, 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 for the game i just wanted to pay tribute really to um, a guy with uh, i mean the most possibly the most sud tirol name <laughs> imaginable damien gruber uh, who traveled all the way um, from he lived in Bolzano and he travelled all the way to Benevento to watch his team. And I, I think there were other Sudtirol fans there, but they didn't go into the away end. Mm. So he was the only one in the away <laughs> end. It was an 800 kilometre trip. Um, I read an interview with him and he, he said he, he's, he paid tribute to his own boss. He said, thanks. He says, I've got a very understanding employer. And I mean, right enough. Because he had to leave in the morning, I think he got a flight to Naples and then travelled. That did he hire a car? I think after that from Naples to get to the game. Saw his team win two 0 which is great. And then and then back up the road. And he also, you know, the, in fair play to the Benevento fans, they had a I think a banner out saying no honour to the man that travels these distances <laughs> or something. And then he got a a strip from one of the players. Well, I mean, quite. Rightly so, really. Yeah, but definitely. you know, but that I just I, I feel that's to me that's the spirit of the Rigori podcast summed up in one act. That is sort of the only thing I think if it was the Rigori podcast, his team would have lost. Oh yeah, the, I was at the say, end of that yeah. trip, he would have gone eight hundred kilometers, you know, driven, flown, whatever, to see Venezia play, and then seen them lose to a controversial VAR decision. I think that would have been truly in the But nonetheless, you know, let's say credit to credit to Mister Gruber for uh, for making such a journey, and you know, he got his just reward for for doing it and it, it, we've mentioned Sudtirol before but you know they're having a, a great great season and you know uh, possibly infuriating for a Venezia fan given given their proximity and then also the fact that you know they've come from the other direction and come up the way and done so much better and, than, we, and we took their manager at this yeah point. yeah yeah their manager yeah last so, yeah so you know all of these all of these things must make it a bit galling but just the same you know as i say to, to do that to follow your team you've got to you've got to admire that on a midweek game as well you know i mean it's not even yeah. not even a weekend so hats off hats off to demian gruber uh the, the sudtirol fan that that traveled to benevento to to see his team win the personification of the rigori spirit um so uh, that's all from us this week if you enjoyed the podcast please do take time to 
rate, review us, follow, subscribe, tell your friends, all of that stuff, because that really helps us build up a good following of people to listen to us moaning each week. But otherwise, we will see you next episode. We will do. <laughs>